Metal Games Podcast. Today's guest is none other than Roger Gracer. We had a great conversation, I really love talking to him. For those who aren't familiar with who Roger Gracie is, considered the greatest grappler of all time by many. Ten times world champion, weight and absolute champion ADCC 2005. Very distinguished MMA career, retired and then came out of retirement to fight arguably the greatest grappler in the next generation, Marcus Bouchesher, and went on to win. We talk about his career, we talk about his mindset, how he trains now, training for the older Jiu-Jitsu practitioner and loads more. I think you're going to get loads from this podcast, whether you do jiu-jitsu or not. So without further ado, Mr. Roger Grosser. So thanks again, Roger, for doing this. I really appreciate your time. I know you're very busy. How's everything going? Yeah, everything good. Everything good. It's my kids keeping me busy. All right. <laughs> I noticed yeah. over, the, over the last year. Weeks. Pardon? I said those last two weeks have been quite busy. Oh, I bet you have. Uh, I bet it's exciting getting back into the uh, the academy and that now that hopefully a lot of the restrictions yeah. are going to ease, isn't it? I mean, hopefully everything will be lifted. I doubt it, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. So I've noticed, Roger, over the last kind of 12 months, you've been doing a lot more kind of podcasts and public speaking. Is that something that you're doing consciously to try and do something else like on a bigger platform? Uh, no, not really. It's more, it's been a lot of requests. I think with the lockdown and everything stuck at home, people are watching a lot more than before, probably. They just have more time in front of uh, the computer, you know? Yeah, of course. So I think a lot of people have been, uh, been doing podcasts and trying to bring uh, some, some traffic up to the, you know, to the platforms and drawing people's attention. So, uh, yeah, because, yeah. I mean, you know, with the lockdown, I'm stuck at home too, so... I, I don't I didn't mind doing it yeah of course is it something you've you've maybe thought about doing um, corporate speaking and stuff like motivational kind of stuff because obviously the mindset that you can bring from um, all the accolades that you've achieved that can transfer over to kind of a business point of view as well can't it yeah I've, I've been thinking about that lately and I mean we'll see maybe I'll start doing a bit more I think it's, it's good to I mean if you can help people with your story you know give them a different point of views it, it's it's a good thing you know i thought about it and i might start doing more brilliant um don't mind my argentina cup <laughs> <laughs> it's all right i'm gonna be drinking some some water as well are you looking forward to the to the football yeah i mean i'm, I'm not a big football follower but i, I, I like when uh, the, the big teams play you know yeah i'm the same game on there I'm no, saying I don't really follow it, but definitely international stuff. Follow like the, yeah. the World Cup and the Euros. I think it's a good for everyone to get involved in, especially after the last year. It's kind of a bit of a celebration as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's just an excuse to to get together with your friends and have a few beers. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Speaking of which, how has it been kind of getting back into the academy, seeing friends, family again, um, seeing some old faces that you may have not seen before? Yeah, I think it's, it's good to see people coming back. You know, I think, they, you know, I'm luckily the one place where I see people quite happy. You know, it's, I see that people are very happy to be back. So I'm just fixing my back. I think people are just very happy to be back in the academy. I think we've managed to create a very nice environment, very friendly, very, uh, in, you know, where people want to just want to be and hang out, chill out, you know, have, have, have a laugh. I think a lot of people are depressed at home, you know, like uh, with, with all this situation. So just 
you know, you see something that you offer, bring people's joy and happiness. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome, you know? When they get to the academy, they're almost in tears, like, oh my God, I'm so happy you guys open. You know, this is great. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, one of the things I was going to ask you was to, I'd love to hear your thoughts on kind of, a lot is said about the physical benefits of jujitsu, but a lot of things that isn't really like well-known and people aren't really aware of is the mental health benefits. So being in that community, that environment, um, being quite present. So you're not worrying about the past, thinking about the future. I'd love to hear your thoughts on kind of them, the mental benefits of jujitsu. I think the mental benefits are probably equally or bigger than the physical benefits, you know, because your benefits, your body benefits your, your mind, you know, and I think the training itself, because I mean, I, I, I speak by my own experience. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, sometimes, you know, I live in London, it's a big city, have millions of people. It is a stress, stressful environment in a way. It, it can be very stressful, mm -hmm. not for everyone, of course, but I think for, for a lot of people, it can be, especially a lot of people who, who, who are in London, this is not their hometown, they're for somewhere else. So they're here working, they, you know, they, it's, uh, the, the time is very precious. And in, in when they come train jujitsu, I think why they find they find it's a, a peace of mind environment that they can come and relax and de-stress out. You know, yeah. they when yeah. they leave, they are just happier, they better, they they have less stress. They were able to leave everything down in the mats. You know, so it's one place that you can kind of zoom out from the outside world, and you know, just there in a great environment, training, laughing, you know, it's having fun with, uh, with, with, with people, you know, it's mm -hmm. because there is no distinction of who you are. doesn't matter who you are. There's no, uh, it, 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 it's, it's an environment that is, you can be very relaxed. There's no pressure, yeah. social pressure or anything like that. And I think training, it's such an amazing feeling when, and you have a great session and you just sit and put your back against the walls like, oh my God, I feel so good. <laughs> you know, like this is awesome. You know, I, I, I tell people when, when I train, like I, I sweat my problems away, you know? Yeah. You just like, yeah. I'm just, mm -hmm. I just leave my, my shoulders are lighter, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I always think that if you, if you like after a good training session and you've sweat all your problems away, like you say, if you're driving home and a lot of people have problems with like road rage and stuff, but after a good training session, if someone did unfortunately like bump into you or something, you'd be so chilled out and just going, yeah, it's no problem. Go you will it. not respond aggressively. That's for yeah. sure. It's like, I've just been fighting for an hour. I know just leave me alone. Go, go home. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, another kind of another person who we've just recently seen on Instagram, um, Fionn Davis was recently down visiting the Academy. Wasn't she a few days yeah, ago? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, speaking of, of herself, she is a massive role model, especially for, for females. I'd, I'd love you to speak on kind of how we kind of get more females involved in jujitsu. Yeah, I mean, it's happening. You know, if you look at the past and now, the, the, the number of women training, it grew massively in every area. I mean, I see based on my academy also, like the number of girls suddenly joining in is the yeah. biggest we ever had. It's like kids, adults, you know, you look, you look in the class, you know, sometimes half of the class is women. 
you know, some some classes more. Mm-hmm. You know, this one day I was looking at the math because now it's, it's with this uh, situation, the classes are more limited in terms of a uh, number of people, you know. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we get there, like half of the class is women, which which is that never happened before. You know, it was very unheard of that the half of your class, adult class, is women. <laughs> um, it's, I, I'd never seen that before. So, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's, it's, it grew massively, you know. I think women, they do find in that it's, it's a place that they can train, you know. I think martial arts in general can be very intimidating to everyone, especially women, because, you know, they don't have the, the physical strength that men does. So they feel more insecure in terms of joining a, a fighting environment, you know. It's like, it's especially when it's mixed. It's, they, you know, the first thing that comes into your mind, I'm, I have to fight men, which is very difficult. It's not easy. But uh, I think now they find it more and more. There is an environment that they come in and train and feel safe and they can they, they can do it, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very popular. That's amazing to see. Fiona is doing an amazing job representing the, the Jiu-Jitsu worldwide. She's one of the, the toughest uh female athletes out there you know she's been like competing and doing amazingly well in the in the past uh two years to now and she's still gonna grow as a uh you know as a competitive a lot she has a lot to, to grow still yeah she's fantastic fantastic role model for for females and young young girls as well coming up now looking up i mean you talk about kind of the social media stars uh your reality tv stars if you're gonna kind of look up as someone for a role model for young for young women for young girls then you can't go far worse than looking at um, Fionn Davis, can you? Yeah, no. no. So you're known, Roger, by many as a, kind of the greatest of all time to to ever do jiu-jitsu. And people refer to, obviously, being a 10-time world champion. You're ADCC 2005, weight and absolute. And coming back out of retirement to, to fight Bouchesha. When you kind of look back on your, your career and your accolades, what stands out to you as, as most, as one of the, the best achievements you've you've done? Uh, I, it's difficult to say the the best because they, I think they're almost they all almost equally important. You know, I I don't really distinguish one from one title to the other. I think you know, if looking back, it's what which one was the most important. I would say the hardest. You know, the those one that I did that was the hardest for me to to conquer. You know, is that I, I had the biggest challenge. Uh, winning, you know, I think that's that's when I look back, and those are that I that I'm most proud of. Mm-hmm. Not in terms of uh, importance of the titles, because in the end of the day, titles are just a title. Of course, a world championship weighs a lot more than uh, Pan American titles because it's the world. It's yeah, there's a lot more weight behind it, and it's harder because the world is harder than any other tournament. But you know, my looking back, I'd say, you know, there was a few. World Championship, I think they were always really tough. Uh, probably the one that I'm most proud of is the one that I did the best. Uh, that that I, my performance was the, the best. I would say, you know, 2009, 2010. I'm, I was very proud of my of myself, the way I fought, the way I, I competed yeah. in the world. Uh, 2005, I think that was probably that I was most proud of myself because it was such a difficult tournament physically to fight and it's no geese it's way harder physically because it demands a lot more of you because it's, it's so slippery 
and it's it's much faster pace, and it just you know it just requires a lot more energy from you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I did that amazingly well. I was able to finish all my fights, but they were most of them they were like extremely hard. That we went like over times and over times, yeah. and then in the end, I, I got an advantage. I was able to submit, but it's you know even submitting all my fights, but it wasn't. I didn't dominate all my fights and. And, and then I, I, I submit them like I did in the awards, you know, like 2009. I yeah. think so I finished everyone 2009, 10, every, everybody but one that fighter. But there was, there's no overtime. I did amazingly well. I controlled my fights. I wasn't really in trouble in any one of them, you know. So I, my performance was very dominant. Yeah. Dominant. In 86, 2005, I did not have a dominant performance. I submit them. But it wasn't a dominant fight. You know, yeah. it was very hard. It was very daring back. I wasn't like I didn't get the upper hand. You know, it took me a while to get the upper hand. And the moment that I I got it, I submitted. I submitted them. It was like you know, when they turn in the back to try to escape, I got the back and choked yeah. them out quickly. Yeah. You know, like in one move. I was watching it again on Fight Pass because the 2005 Absolute is on is on UFC Fight Pass for ADCC. So I was watching that back a few days ago. And I never realized the kind of caliber of opponents you was facing in that in that mass in that absolute division. Um Jacare, yeah. Sonji Hiberto, and Verdum, just to name a few. And what was yeah. funny, what stood out to me was um the, the final against Jacare, when you 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 was on his back, stood up with um, a body lock, a body lock on him, body triangle, and uh, he, he gives you a bit of a shake of the finger going, no, 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 no. And then he relaxes and then you get the, the rear naked choke for the win. So he kind of lost his concentration for a little bit. That moment stands out to me, but the, the caliber of... Yeah, I think the moment that I got his back, and then he kind of... No, he lost the concentration a bit in a way that he knew he was going to lose that. So he, right. he said no to the referee, no for the points, because he thought by being stand, standing up, you wouldn't get the points. But right. body trying in, in, in the ADCC's points, regardless of where he was, standing on yeah. the floor. So when the referee scored the, the points for the back for the back control, he knew it was like less than two minutes to to for the fight to finish. Right. That that's it. It's, there was, you know, the, the barely time to recover. So he was trying to argue with the referee, say no points, no points, because he's staying with us. Oh, no. right, so I get, yeah. And then in the middle, of, yeah, he didn't really. I mean, he did, but he he was more worried about the points. Then after his neck, getting severe <laughs> because then the fight is already lost. Then this is that makes no difference. And right. then the split second that I saw the open went <laughs> <laughs> slide right back on his neck. And that's, yeah. Yeah, one of the things. <laughs> How difficult was coming out of retirement then to fight Bouchesha? Uh it was difficult in a way that you lose the rhythm of the of the fighting. You know, so your your reactions are not as, as sharp mm-hmm. and it's, it's you know your how your body responds. To, to the tempo of the, the fight, it, it changed it. So I felt that in the last uh, probably very few years of my uh, of my competitive career. So my body was not responding as much as used to. That's what I felt, especially being away from like being active competitor like for a while. Yeah, it's difficult for you to get that time reaction very sharp, which is very important. You know, in a, in, in a fight, your timing reaction needs to be very sharp. But uh, I mean, I, I I train a lot. I dedicate a lot for the fight. And, yeah. 
did you get nervous at all for that for that particular match? Uh, I did. Actually, I was actually talking to uh, someone the other day. If uh, like in the past few years before that, I mean, I, I always do get a bit nervous. You know, don't take me the wrong way. I, you know, ner- nervousness is, is normal. But I kind of control it, you know, I don't let it expand. I just, I take my mind out of it. I think of something else and then kind of calm down. So my nerves never really reach a, a, a too high, you know? So the, the adrenaline doesn't consume me much. But uh, I mean, walking into that fight, especially because there's not really warm up before, you know, you warm up and you go straight into the hardest fight, which is, yeah that one so it's your body this the the the, the energy is still accumulated you know the the adrenaline is still there so uh yeah no i remember walking into that fight and suddenly i'm, I'm standing just about to to walk to the mat my legs were kind of wobbly i'm like fuck, and then i'm i'm hitting my left my thighs you know i'm like wake up you know, get, the, get the body floating what are you doing <laughs> like man, my legs are like i'm shaking <laughs> Stop that. Let's let's concentrate. <laughs> I don't know if you um, heard John Danaher recently on the Lex Friedman podcast. He was he was talking about you for quite a bit on that podcast. I don't know if you heard it or listened to it. Yeah, no, I did. I did. He, he said some very nice words. Very nice of him. Yeah. He was um so I'll butcher the quote, but he was he was quoted as like describing your style that it was simple but with a level of sophistication that was unmatched for for your generation. Um, how would you describe your own style? Uh, I would say very similar because it is very simple, but it's very sophisticated in a way that it's there's a lot of details that added that makes it very efficient. You know, it's it's uh, that that's the thing that people miss the most is how can you make something very very efficient in a way that the others they can see it. But then they can they're not able to defend yeah so that's when you the, the, the attack it has to be very precise and very uh, i mean i wouldn't say with this maybe the sophistication is the the right moment in this aspect but i would say uh very precise and efficient so it's not as simple as people think yeah it's so yeah. many details that it needs to be added to that specific techniques to make it that efficient that uh that people eat unless you 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 explain and tell them exactly how you do it it's no one can see it because it's 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 about where you put your body you know like small changes like if if is my weight when i grab the collar is my weight on my arm is my weight on my knees like am i leaning forward and how much space i'm trying to keep from my opponent to you know for this the second hand to go in mm-hmm. and how much space do i give my opponent so he has room to defend or do i compress that space where he doesn't have any room even to you know to defend properly yeah so it's uh yeah it's so many things like that that people they don't see it you know i remember um i attended a seminar just before like the very first lockdown with yourself at chester over at roger Gracie academy chester and you was you was doing a bit of a Q and A session, and you was telling people how. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. You, you never really kind of um, was catching people with a cross collar choke until like brown black belt. It took you that long to really refine that technique. And I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about that because people, I think, 
the, the cross collar choke from whatever position, mount or close guard, is something that you get taught maybe like in the first couple of weeks of jujitsu. But then for you to only develop that to where you're, you're catching the top guys after like 10 years, nine, 10 years. Could you talk a little bit about that, please? Yeah. I mean, the cross collar choke from Mount, I never really, I wasn't, I wasn't really able to apply it efficiently until after I got my black belt. And not just right after, like a few years after. Right. It's, you know, it just took me, it took me years to really develop an efficient way to get, you know, without being bridged out. Cause that's the, most challenging, you know, it's, you, you, you can't use your hands to defend their mouth. When the person trying to escape, they need to be busy. So you're positioning, you know, how do you position your body in a way that you can get brushed? Right. You know, when they try to bridge you out, you, you, you won't need the hand on the floor. It's almost like I, 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 how do I maintain the mount without using my arms? That's the biggest challenge. Right. Okay. It, it took me years and years to develop, you know, yeah. it's, so to attack in the arm is much easier because you you don't need to stay as too low, so you're slightly higher. So your arms are always slightly free. Yeah. I think it's important to, to, to talk about that because I think people do get frustrated if they can't really, like, get a technique within, like, the first couple of months or something, don't they? They get a bit frustrated. We all want kind of instant gratification for stuff now, don't we? You can be very frustrated, you know, <laughs> if you has no patience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think people, they, they, they want quick results. You know, it's, I mean, I'm sorry, quick results go both ways. Yeah, easy to attack, yeah. easy to defend, you know? Yeah. And I think that's one of the appeals of jujitsu in general anyways. You're kind of not going to get that instant gratification if to reach to reach a black belt in, call it 10 years in general. It's, it's hard, isn't it? It's not going to be easy. Life's going to get in the way. Things are going to happen. But to keep stepping on the mat day in and day out... That's what's going to get you there ultimately, isn't it? I think you just need to enjoy training. You yeah. know, it's you do you like jujitsu? Do you like training jujitsu? You know, learning for you know people train for different reasons. But if you don't like the jujitsu itself, the training, going to the academy, sparring, and you know, learning because it's a never-ending process. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not you get you get your black belt and suddenly life changes. Nothing changes. You still <laughs> You still need to go to the academy to train just as much as you were when you were purple, brown, or yeah. no, blue. It does not change. It's the same. How long it will take to get your grades, your grading is your belts. I mean, then it's something else different, you know, but if you like that process, you train forever, regardless of which belt you are. Yeah. I think it's always good to get, you know, to, to get graded because it just tells you, okay, you actually are learning. You know, it's not because yeah. you don't really feel sometimes, you know, it's like I, my training partners, I can, I can get them. They, they all escape and they all catches me. I mean, you're training with them daily. You know, they, they see what you're doing. They know what you're getting. Yeah, so yeah. it makes it even harder to train people that you, you train every day. You know, they, they already, they go, you get them once, two, three times. I mean, they see it coming. Yeah, yeah. It's harder to catch them with that same move again. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and then you see everyone kind of get better. I think it's hard when you're training with the same people all the time to kind yeah, of everyone gets better. The same. Gauge progress, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you didn't train for a week. Oh, why did you learn that move? <laughs> I've been away for a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so who who did anyone influence your kind of style, or is it something that has just just come naturally to you? Did you look at anybody 
when you were coming up through the ranks and through competition and think, I like to emulate the, the style maybe a little bit or is it something? Uh, never really consciously. I never really copy anyone's style. You know, you kind of learn different things from different people. You Sometimes you learn from people watching, you know, defining. It's, it's you, you, you slowly you see where you, where you adapt your game. It's, it is, it's very difficult for you to try to copy a style that's not your natural way because yeah. I think it's, you just need to let your, 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 your game go whichever natural way your, your, your body favors more. You know, it's, 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 you cannot force something that is not natural for you. Yeah. It's, you know, some people, they would just prefer to play the bottom. Some people, they would prefer to play on top game. Some people, they like, they have long legs. They use the legs, you know, a lot. Some people, they just don't feel comfortable. They, you know, they, they like to use, you know, more grabbing the call instead of grabbing the arms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some people, they just like to play guard on the back. Some people, they don't. They like to sit more. So it's, I mean, it's just letting that natural process, you know, you do learn different things. And the way every move you learn, you try to adapt to your body style. It's, you know, see... Everyone will, will, will change slightly the way that that technique is applied because the, the function of the body is just unique. Yeah. And I mean, there's some, some things that, you know, if, if you like close guard, you know, you will see things that people do in the close guard and they say, oh, I think that move will do well for me. And then you just try it. If it feels like it, it came naturally, I mean, that's it, you know, now just adapt. But the game is constantly changing. It's normal, you know, it's it's not easy for you to find that style. You will find and then you just slightly change. I mean, my game changed a lot over the years. It's always changing, you know, the way I play guard. I think, you know, the I mean, people get older, you know, suddenly my back's starting to hurt. I'm, I can't really do what I used to do anymore. I have to kind of change, Yeah. you know. But that change is always, my game is constantly evolving and changing like now the way i play guard for example when i'm on the bottom is different than than how i used to play years ago yeah. how is it different then roger could you go into a bit more detail on that um lately i've been doing a lot of butterfly guard right. which i've never used to use before so it's you know something that i'm i'm having fun with it something that i feel comfortable it's you know i like it's it's fun to to play myself there it's you know <laughs> and then i'll be doing that a lot a lot lately so you know side control attacks suddenly you know i've changed slightly i'm i'm trying different approaches to attacks it's you know it, it's it's working really well yeah it's refreshing to hear someone of of your caliber everything that you've achieved that you're still able to have to have that kind of beginner's mind not a beginner sorry but you know what i mean to go back and like maybe try something new that maybe you've not really used before or yeah, I mean, you, you, you have to, you know, because, I mean, if you're going to play exactly the same thing for the rest of your life, I mean, you didn't get boring. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, you just get boring. If you, if every time you're on the bottom, you do exactly the same grip and you exact the same sweeps, like, I mean, open up, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. let's explore uh, new ways. <laughs> and I think that's about, another one of the appeals is that, um, it allows you, and it's hard for some people to do it, but it allows you to just let go of your ego, doesn't it? And try new things. Yeah. If you get it wrong, it doesn't matter. You tap, you reset, you go back. And I think when exactly. we, when I see beginners at, at the academy, that is one of the hardest things to try and like 
put that across that it doesn't matter, just do it wrong. Everyone's still learning. And that's how you, you end up training for years and years, like yourself and your father. Yeah. Learning how to relax, that's the hardest thing in jiu-jitsu for a, like a new person, you know, like a beginner. Like it's, I never knew I had to relax my grips. <laughs> you know, they just hold and then squeeze for dear life. <laughs> so is that maybe something that you would recommend to or advise a beginner white belts to relax? Because it's always easy when you say, just relax, just relax. But the person might be thinking, relax. well, that's easy for you to say, but how do I relax when someone's trying to kill me on top? Is that talking about just relaxing your grips? Maybe they not even realize that the arms are very stiff, you know. Yeah. It's, your your brain is you you are so tense yeah that you can't think you can't think clearly <laughs> and, you know it takes it takes a while for you to realize okay yeah. I'm not I need to relax because I'm not that's why I'm, I'm guessing two minutes <laughs> yeah <laughs> after two and a half minutes I'm going to, yeah yeah <laughs> so we spoke about kind of um did your style get influenced by anybody but what about kind of idols whether that's in jiu-jitsu or just idols yeah, in so, people are you so my, my styles i mean i'm first the way my father play guard you know he, he's very pressure orientated you know on top he has a massive way to use his body leaning into the person you know so he's he's always on them the way he right. uses his body to to to, in, in, to to press people like I, I I probably learned that from him, uh, unconsciously you know like looking it wasn't never really something that he came in and Roger to this step by step you know that's how you use your weight into the person that's coming that's something that came in naturally I always watched my uncle uh, Carlinhos Carlos Gracie Jr the way he used to same thing in the guard like dominating people with his body you know very uh, 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 the, like leaning, you know, he doesn't fight trying to fight with speed, like very dominant in the way he he he, he put himself over people, like the way he mounted. I always saw him like really using his uh, way to kind of press the the person. So looking that, you know, you know slowly you start implementing that to your game. Yeah, yeah, uh, like some tall guys that I was, you know, my training partners, they always had. You know, good close guards. Uh, you know, like a, a guard game. So naturally, you know, I, I I try to, you know, to see especially close guard. That was always a big part of my game. Yeah. And you know, you 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 get like pieces and bits bits from 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 fighters just by watching, looking at they, what they do. You know, and then you try once if if it fits on a game and just carry on doing. And if it's not, and then just leave it on the on the side because you you might come back to that a few years later you know yeah that see happens a lot like suddenly something that i've learned when i was 18 15 years later i'm sorry i started to use because <laughs> never, i never really fitted much into my game i see me now it's it's feeling like a it fitted like a charm you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's funny like things you learn like 20 years before, no, 10 years, and then suddenly you're doing it. What do you think that is then? Because I've experienced a little bit of that before where I've maybe attended a seminar 18 months previous, got the technique or saw the technique, been taught it, and then two years later, it suddenly just started to like 
click and work, but I've not really consciously tried to train it. What what do you attribute that to? Maybe I think it, 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 because to implement that your game, you have to change, right? You have to change your grips. You have to adapt for what you already do. So it's it's difficult for you to when you when you used to to fight in some ways. You know, as you're fighting for you to remember, okay, for me to apply that grip, you know, instead of holding the arm, I need to keep my grip in the collar because the moment it will come for me to try that technique. Right. So it's so it's difficult for you to like to change that grip because you already do things from that grip, which you're already familiar with. You know, that grip, it, it gives you like two or three options more. So to change that, you will have to change your options. So like you, you, your, your sets of attacks, it will change slightly. So, you know, so you, there's a shift on your game that you have to be aware of. And it's, you know, suddenly, you, 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 you know, once you don't realize much, you, you, you're trying something new, you know, it's what you're trying to experience. And if that works out, and then you say, oh, you know, then you start exploring more yeah. that area. And then suddenly, oh, it fits in my game really well. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm you, you, you naturally get better doing that. So it's more that trying to explore a different area on your game and see if you'll fit. Because if it does, and then, oh, this is, this is actually good. I'm going to carry on going this way. Oh, no, it, it, it gave me trouble straight away. You know, like the first time I tried, man, the guy crushed me because he did a huge mistake. And then, you know, suddenly you're trying that. Oh, he's not crushing me anymore because you're doing something different. You know, that makes sense. Makes sense. Um, did you have any idols who you looked up to outside of jujitsu? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I always look to people that achieve something great. You know, like in in, in any sports, like it's you know, you look at Muhammad Ali. You know, it's people who actually you know had their mindset that they had to achieve. I think that's something that I always look. Yeah. Look for it. You know, people that they kind of, anyone that any sportsman that did something great, it's is that mindset. It's it goes for any any sport, any area, even like outside sports. You know, so I always look for people that really uh, achieve something great in the in the area. Yeah. You know, like Sena, it's Muhammad Ali, it's I mean people like that. You know, like Mike Tyson. You know, you, you look at his mindset walk into the ring i mean you can copy that it's the, his yeah. determination when he goes into the ring like he's i'm i'm, I'm you know it's like all or nothing yeah. like it, you you have that and i mean you you can absorb that into your game yeah i mean mike tyson was interesting wasn't he because i watched the documentary not so long ago and when he was kind of olympic level just breaking into the pros and that his, his anxiety that he suffered prior to going into the ring was was massive so the way he learned yeah. to deal with his nerves and use that fear and as fuel rather than for it to burn the house down, as Customata would have said, it, it was yeah. massive, wasn't it? The way you could turn it around and then just become an animal inside the ring. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, something yeah. that influenced me growing up, I was always obsessed with kind of samurais, ninjas and Bruce Lee and all that. And a year ago, I heard you talk on an interview about um, this book here, about uh, Musashi. Uh. And uh, I'd like you to talk just like why that book was so influential to you and what kind of things you take from it. 
Yeah, I, mean, I think I read that book maybe five times now. Right. <laughs> yeah. When was the last time you read it? Uh, I think last year. Right. I think every year, every two years, I, I kind of, when the books that I like, I, I read them again, you know? Right. It's such yeah. an amazing story. It's like watching a, a film, you know, more than once time. If you really like a film, you watch more than once, yeah. easily, you know? Books for me are the same. And, you know, if I like the book, there's a few that I've, I've read few times. Uh, I mean, I, I think that book is, is very uh, special because, I mean, you see what the person can do when he's really determined to, uh, to in, in, you know, when he put his mind into it. And yeah. I mean, Musashi is such an amazing story. He's, you know, he's self-taught. No one actually taught him anything. So you can see when you're really determined to do something, Everything is possible. It's, it's you, you can do it regardless of the circumstances mm -hmm. that you find yourself in, and and the, the you know the amount of like effort and his mindset that he had to achieve the what he achieved. He he was great in so many areas. It's not just in, in fighting. You know, he was a great painter. He was. Yeah. You know, the calligrapher he used to, you know, teach, you know, for, for a point. And I think the discipline that he had was amazing. You know, it's, I mean, you, you, you read that book and the, 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 the parts that he's like facing his opponent, like it's, yeah. there's no giving, you know, it's like, it's, it's, there's no giving. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest thing I got from the book was, uh, to what you, you discussed already, was having that, He's not a one-dimensional. He's not all just about um, the the warrior ethos, the learning new skills. He wants to be a balanced person. So, like you say, he's, he's into art. He's, he studies philosopher. He's into calligrapher. He's, he's not just a one-dimensional. He understands that um, to be a better person takes a lot of things rather than just one individual pursuit. That was kind of what I got from it. Yeah. 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 And it did. The, the the technique that's the perfect technique for anything even when the the, the or the master cut the the flower mm -hmm. you know the way he cut it the the, the how, how you call it the, the the roof and yeah i mean then suddenly he was the only one who realized this is a master <laughs> you know it was the, it was the it was the master samurai not a master gardener but he was like i need to i need to be this gardener because he was able to cut this I cannot, you know, and he, and he try, I'm like, it's, I need to, and he thought was the gardener. Yeah. So he yeah. kind of appreciated that everybody could be a teacher. Yeah. You can learn from everybody. Yeah. What was the other books then, Roger, that you was, you, you, you read over and over again? You, you said there was a few <laughs> books before. Uh, there's a few. I mean, I think the first book, one of the first that I read, uh, was uh, Gates of Fire, uh, Stephen Pressfield, oh, right. about the Spartans in that Thermopolis, the, the 300 story. I mean, that was probably the first one that got me. I think there's a few, I think with Stephen Pressfield too, about Alexander the Great, Genghis mm -hmm. uh, Khan. I mean, it was one of the, the biggest conquerors in, you know, in the history. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a few. Have you listened there's, to, um, there's an audio series on a hardcore history. There's a, like a five part it's kind of like a podcast, but it's more like of a history lesson on, on Genghis Khan. And each episode is like two hours long, hardcore history. And it goes into a lot about 
It's fantastic if you, if you can get a chance to listen to that. Like, what's the name? It's Hardcore History is the podcast. Okay. I know there's just, there's like five or six episodes on on Genghis Khan and from from start to him, his brothers and his sons and that taking over and and yeah, it's fascinating yeah, yeah. if you get a chance to listen. Nice. To that, like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love the you know the the samurai the spirit in the history the shogun. Right. I read a few yeah. times. Yeah. It's uh, that, that's a really nice book. I really like that one. Yeah, yeah, nah, yeah. I mean, there's quite a few others about that. Uh, Julius Caesar, I read quite a few. All right, I, I try to inspire myself against people that really uh, from nothing and then suddenly they pretty much conquer the world, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, a lot of books about, about um, leaders, powerful leaders. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. I'll, I'll... I'll definitely try and read a few of them. Um, the last couple of questions, Roger, before I let you go, because I know you're busy. Um, I asked people to, if, if there was anything what they would ask you while I was, I was talking to you. And um, the overwhelming response was really two questions it boiled down to. The first one was, how has your training changed from being a full-time competitor to now being kind of the place where you are at the moment in terms of like... Uh, a typical week how much jiu-jitsu would you do what strength and conditioning would you be doing do you do any mobility work so if you could just talk a bit about that for us please so i think now i kind of found a balance that you know my my, my training routine now it takes it takes about five days a week i train jiu-jitsu i have monday wednesday friday i have a good session on my gym Mm-hmm. that I get my my higher belts, my instructors and a few other students, almost like a, a competition class. Right. So I do that three times a week and I do weights twice a week. And I think I could train more, but you know, when I train, I try to push myself. So I find if I train jujitsu every other day, it's it's a good balance that I can push and then my body can recover. You know, and then I can push again. And Tuesday and Thursday, I do weights. I don't like to do heavy because I don't like to get too stiff. And it's, you know, I've never really pushed to my maximum. Mm-hmm. It's more to keep my body healthy. So I, I find when I'm doing yeah, like a basic weight, weight session, my body gets much stronger. So when I can push more when I train jujitsu. Right. So, you know, I can, sometimes you fall into weird positions, you know, I can do stand up. So it's, my body is much stronger. My back is my core is stronger. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes it's, you know, I go for a, a, a walk. Like if I'm feeling good, I can train a bit more. But, uh, you know, I find those five times a week has been good. And uh, I just added that one boxing session. Oh, right. I just, I've been back training with my uh, boxing coach. That I haven't seen him for a long time. Yeah. You know, just for the fun of it, it's, it's good to keep the hand, the, the, the hand sharp. Yeah. So I think for me that that's that that's it fits well into my routine. If I do more, I'm too tired. I need you know my head, uh, and there's a lot of things I need to to do apart from yeah. you know just training. There's uh, I'm doing quite a few other things like business wise. If I train too much, I'm too tired. All I mean, all I want is just relax. <laughs> what with with the so, weight sessions? Yeah, that just sticking to compound lifts. What kind of um lifts exercises you're doing in the weights uh a lot focusing my core right hamstrings and glutes because that's the weak part of my body yeah and a little bit for chest and pulls but like very very limited so a lot of a lot of things with dumbbells 
uh, you know, legs, uh, wide single legs, uh, squats and lunges. So we can always, you know, balance out. Jiu-Jitsu is very unbalanced in the body. Right, yeah. So that, those uh, helps a lot. And some, a, a bit of deadlifts. Mm-hmm. So I think that helps. Yeah. Do you, do you put much time into like mobility and stretching or anything? Or uh, I do. Not as much as I should. Yeah. But yeah. it's something that now my if I don't, I almost like I have to do it. Like if I don't stretch after jiu-jitsu session, my body's way stiffer afterwards when I cool down, you know? So it's like I kind of have to, to to do that. So, I mean, I'll be 40 this year. So I'm getting the stage that I do have to look after my body like I've never done before. So things like that, now it's a must, you know? Like it's I, it's very important that I do weight. So, you know, my joints and my, uh, my you know, my, uh, my, my, you know, shoulder, knees, lower back, necks, they get stronger. And uh, stretching, you know, this is very important. It's yeah. very, very important because otherwise my lower back especially start, start bothering me. You know? Yeah, I'm the same. Like I was 40 last year and um, it's almost like I turned 40 and now I feel loads of aches. I didn't feel any aches and pains at 39. And as soon as I turned 40, I feel everything now, like in my back and my hamstrings and my, and my knees. Yeah, like for me to train like hard every day now, I find difficulty, you know. Yeah. difficult you know yeah. like my especially my lower back sometimes my shoulder my neck is always stiff yeah. so it's i don't want to live with pain so if i train every other day i can push my body can recover and then you know i'm healthy to train again yeah. if i if i train more if i you know start training hard every day i know there'll be some days that like you know my back will scream for like slow down you know <laughs> So that leads us on to the, the next question that got asked, and it, you might be covering some of the same points, but the next question that was asked was um, training for over 40s. So those who are doing jiu-jitsu either just started and a 40, or maybe those who have trained for a little bit but are now getting a little bit older, what should they kind of concentrate on? Uh, I think, I mean, if you train twice a week, it's that's the minimum. And that, for a lot of people, that should be can be enough, you know. I think minimum-wise, if you ask me, I would say if you train jiu-jitsu twice a week and you do like a weight session once a week that is you're going to keep you you will learn you know two two times a week you're still learning every week you're getting better if you train once a week you're not really learning you know mm-hmm. it's difficult to improve once a week yeah twice a week you're learning it's i mean you feel your progress if you train three times a week you'd you know you learn faster because you, you know you add in more sessions so of course uh, but I'll say twice a week and once a week uh, weight. You can train three times jujitsu. I'll say once weight and twice a week jujitsu. If you can add three, I mean, if you're starting, you're not going to train four times. It might be too much. You'll get injured because you want. You need to learn how to relax first so you can train more yeah. to prevent injury. So I'll say twice a week, one weight. You know, what kind of? Um, I mean, it might be hard to say because we, we spoke before about how different levels of athleticism, different body types will lend themselves to different techniques. But for the older people who are training, what kind of like techniques or kind of games should they be like basing it around? Uh, that, that is difficult. You will find things that you can do that's not really going to hurt you. You know, yeah. I think if you're over 40, you want to avoid doing some techniques that puts you in your body in a very awkward position. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to do upside down, you know, legs 
folded, you know, things like that, because you're just yeah. going to hurt yourself. You know, you just want to play healthy game. If I mean, if you're over 40, 45, you don't want to pass the guard standing up. Right. When you need a lot more mobile agility to, you know, and you need like fast reactions. You want to be on your knees, slowly, you know, slowly passing. And I mean, if you, if you're on your back, same thing, you know, you want to, you want to avoid getting your legs folded on, on top of you. So it's not, you know, and then it all goes from that. It's uh, avoid doing a lot of stand up because getting thrown can get you injured. You know, it's, it's way safer, you know, to focus on the floor when it's, it's the chances for you to get injured is much less. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Good advice. Um, thank you very much for this morning, Roger. It's been amazing. I love talking to you. Um, thanks for your time. And hopefully we'll we'll have you down at Lee for a seminar once um, everything opens up fuller. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to it. It's a pleasure, David. And I can't wait to come and visit the academy again as well once uh, again. Anytime we're here. Brilliant, Roger. Thanks very much again, mate. Cheers. Pleasure. Thank you, everyone. See you soon. Thank you.